What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk Podcast. You're listening to Locker Room Hype. As always, I'm James Fairchild. It's Aaron Pena. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there? Hope everybody's staying safe. I don't know about safe whenever you're watching Extreme Tag on ESPN The Ocho. Mm. Nothing, Nothing better than seeing two grown men chase each other like back in the old school days, playground and trying to tag each other. It's pretty funny, man. It's pretty it's bizarre. It, it looks like it should be on ESPN Ocho 8. Oh, yeah, the Ocho, man. Come on, you know. But, you know, just to give you a little background, if you're ever watching it, it's it comes, ESPN does post it. Uh, takes about 20. They give them 20 seconds. Uh, there's a tagger, and then the person getting tagged. And it's pretty cool, like, because it's like there's a big obstacle. There's poles. There's little platforms platforms, things like that i I have to give them credit because it it takes some extreme agility you have to be pretty athletic to go through that obstacle course and not get hurt yeah dude these dudes haul ass to it man like i mean if i was in boom i would have hit my head automatically within the first two seconds there's there's no way that i'm that coordinated and if i tried to slide underneath there i'm gonna stop (laughs) (laughs) just tag me they need to make them chug like Three beers before they start. Oh, dude, no joke, right? Let's, it, they do an adult one, you know, what's, what's 30, the, 30 and over. It kind of seems like, what that was it, park, parkour? Parkour, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it really is. These dudes are freaking like, they just zoom in and out of the poles and sliding, and it, it's it's pretty impressive, man. Like, would I, you would you wear a cup? Yo, hell yeah, yo. you got to. <laughs> I, mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you would have to you because, to. man. Well, you got, I don't know. It might slow you down, too. So. Yeah, it could. It could, but. Do you want to really take the risk? That's a, that's the yeah, question. It's, just, it's tag. You don't want to say, hey, I lost my nuts on tag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it was on live TV. Uh-huh. You know, you had like way yeah. more viewers than yeah, usual. Yeah, so. But you're going to go. be the guy that lost his nuts on tag. Balls of the wall, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, NASCAR, you been doing it? I watched a little bit of NASCAR, yeah, but man, it's hard to keep. I watch engaged start, and focused the entire race. Start watch, and finish, baby. That's right, it. the start and finish is all you need to really know. And then you, you watch the highlights to get all the cool crashes and whatnot. Yeah. But it's just not intriguing, engaging, and yeah. exciting enough for me to keep up with. I'm just not a NASCAR guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all good. I mean, I watch a little bit, like I said, start beginning. And then after that, I usually go and I just watch old highlights of the UFC you know, boxing. I usually watch just the greatest knockouts, things like that. But also, there's been some good fights on on uh, ESPN and then some pay per views. So right, yeah. I mean, the Gaethje fight was pretty uh, good. But, Him beating Tony Ferguson that was that yeah. was cool to watch. You know, but one thing I don't do is I can't. You know, you since they don't have the fans there, you hear everything, and I can't. I can't hear somebody kicking each other and you just hear the, the pop like it, it makes me cringe you're I telling me it. you don't like to hear shins hitting yeah. shins yeah it's nasty, it's nasty man <laughs> i mean i don't mind like i don't mind seeing someone get knocked out but when you hear that pop like you're oh like, yeah oh. It, it makes you cringe a little bit even sitting on your couch at your just at home yeah. i don't like hearing it either it's just kind of awkward to me without the fans there I, like i said before they need to pump some type of you know, artificial noise into that. Yeah, state it's place like I was to, watching the soccer. You know, the soccer games, and they have the, they have on the speakers. They have the fans. You know, doing the chants and mm-hmm. screaming and everything. Which it's an empty stadium, but at least you know it's there, where it helps the players out because that's what they're used to. Right, they're it, used to that. It helps the players during the game, and I feel like it helps the fans watching at home on TV. 
because you still kind of get that vibe of it being a live game. You hear the noise, you hear the commotion, so it kind of keeps you more engaged and not like, wow, this is awkward. Kind of with the UFC oh, yeah. when there's no sound whatsoever. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. And you know, we it's going to come. Like I said, you know, there's you know, with sports coming up here pretty soon, there's going to be a lot of changes. You know, I know you got something that you wanna, you got you found recently. What's the what's right. the info? It's interesting. Deshaun Jackson had um, made a suggestion. If there are no plans for having fans in the in the stands this fall, players should be mic'd up. You know, we kind of saw this with the <laughs> XFL doing sideline interviews yeah. and whatnot. I mean, it's you know the thing about it. You know, you're gonna get some some pretty crucial words from the players and everything everybody i mean if you can sit there and read lips believe me you know what they're saying you know and every every moment i know on the on the nfl games you know those uh big old dish things you know the sound people man they pick up you know they pick up some of those words and they oh, try yeah. to count them out it's, like, it's inevitable but if you're gonna watch it with your kids this fall you if they do do this you might want to keep it on mute but I think but it's a great idea for is. fans because well, yeah, you're, the fans aren't experiencing the normal interaction, the sounds of the game itself. So there has to be some type of intervention to fill that void for the fans to stay engaged and, and you know focused and, and wanting to watch each game, which we're going to watch anyway because we're huge football fans. Yeah. But it's just going to bring a different element to the game. That's going to be new. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, well, right now, one of the Atlanta Falcons center, Alex Smith, said he's very concerned about people hearing his play calls, but still open to the idea. I'm pretty sure. I mean, if I sit there and say you're going to run 427, jet sweep X Y, I mean, people are like, "What? <laughs> Excuse me, what's that?" <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Right. There could be other teams, though, but, tuning in. But at hear. the same time, well, yeah, they can tune in. But really, everybody has their own scheme and they have their own playing calls. Hell, I mean, they have their own color schemes. I mean, I mean, it's not good. I'm not going to sit here and say there's an advantage to it, you know, but it's, it's still. I mean, it does give fans to see what really goes on between the white lines, you know, with the teammates and in the trenches. It's going to give a different perspective that we're not used to seeing the average fan isn't used to seeing. Of course we played football and we know, you know, how, how communicative it gets, but with the average fan, they never get to experience that or hear the, they hear the things that are said in the, in the huddle on the sidelines, you know, before a plays called the audibles, things like that. Just I think little, it'd be cool. It is, but the only thing I'm worried about, you know, you just don't want it to turn into a, a freaking circus, you know, like they get on the mic or they get interviewed and they're, you know, you just, I just don't want it to turn into a circus. Kind of like you, the, do you feel like the XFL kind of turned that yeah, way with the interviews? I mean, it's like, it's like, there's nothing wrong with getting like, you know, the injury updates, things like that. Getting the coach's opinion, you know, that's fine, you know, but that's it. You right. know, you don't want to sit there and be like, well, you know, what'd you think about that last drive? Right. What'd you think about this last drive? It's just, you don't want to go too in depth, you know, because it just, it, yeah. you're taking the fun out of it if now. It's, if it's periodic, you know, and calculated, I'm all for it. But if it's like every single play, you have to have some type of input or you're listening in every moment. I think that's a little bit too much, but I think in moderation, it would be cool for fans to have that. Yeah. That insight, you know. So I mean, I I say yeah, mic them up. Just to, I mean, 
really, I, wouldn't, I mean, mic up some of the players that are going to be interesting, you know, the skill players. Exactly. Pl- Pick and quarter- choose who you mic up. Don't. I don't- I don't mic up Antonio Brown if yeah. he's out there. I don't want to. Well, I was going to say don't <laughs> don't mic up uh, the right guard. You know, oh, yeah, well, you know yeah. what he's going to do. Uh, I'm blocking. Right. That's what he's going to be doing. Give, I mean, mic up a guy uh, that's a leader on the team that has uh, some type of responsibility that is larger than everyone else, and you have the the ability to hear from someone that's on the field, play after play. That's going to give good insight. And that's going to be professional and not so much, you know, trash talk every two seconds. He's going to be able to give you good in-depth analysis. And, Absolutely, man. And interact with the fans as well. That would be cool. Someone yeah, but, that's responsible enough to take that yeah. type of leadership and leadership. platform. I mean, yeah, exactly. That'd be pretty, you know, like I said, just we'll see how it goes. You know, like I said, we got, you know, they're going to be reporting if you haven't read it yet or seen it yet. NFL players and teams are going to be reporting to they're just they're going to do their training their their uh, their camps but they're going to do it at their facilities yeah. you know I think it's a good idea which is a good idea you know a lot of them were talking about you know you know like the Cowboys always go to Happy Valley mm-hmm. there in California and everything like that and you know other teams go out you know and explore other places but you know this year they need to just go back and stay where they're at I keep think that yeah keep it centralized and controlled that way. You know that your players are safe. Your so we staff can have a safe. season. Right. So, so we, we can, can have, have a season. season. You know, so we, we need to be careful. You know, like I said, hopefully they'll have that idea here pretty soon and getting going, getting going with it, man. I did hear, and this is a little bit off topic, but with the college side of it, I heard Oklahoma State in the Big 12 is planning to have full capacity crowds. And they're having their players come June 8th. As early, oh. they're, they're starting before OU. They're getting on the field. They're, you know, they're saying they have to be quarantined for two weeks. But you, you're not going to tell me that these players aren't going to go out and practice and, and get together and have that start that camaraderie exactly. from the get go. I mean, Coach Gundy. I mean, he he kind of pushes the line he, at he times. Push, yeah, he's going to push the line. I mean, he's always been the kind of the rebel over there in the Big Twelve. And but that's a good thing, man. I've always liked Coach Gundy. You know, he's always had his his interviews have always been great. Oh man, yeah. You know. But one of the thing about Gundy, man, like he he wants to have football and he's gonna do whatever he has to do. And like I said, we cannot be scared. We cannot be scared all the time to take a step. Somebody has to. Somebody has to take a step. So I think Gundy's probably the right per- person right now to go right. ahead and take. And you know, because he's been the one of the longest tenured t- uh, coaches right now in the Big Twelve. Exactly. You know. So. And this could give them a competitive edge above everyone else in the Big Twelve for yeah. starting you know, so early or it could snowball and turn into a disaster with, with uh, players getting it could be, uh, infected. It's going to be a hit or miss. That's you just don't know. But I, I don't, I don't oppose the, the position that he's taking on this. I think it's, it's calculated and, and he's a professional and he's going to do what it, whatever it takes to have his team take the field in the fall. Um, it could give a, a competitive edge, like I said, above everyone else, for sure. Having those extra weeks, having your team around one another, building that chemistry, implementing the philosophy of the offense, the defense, and just getting everyone together. Because it does go a long way when you have your players in the same concentrated area interacting with one another. It, it, it kind of kickstart. And he's going to use that as fuel 
for his program and his players. Just look, guys, we're out there. We're getting started. We're working out, and look what what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one. It's a good. It's a great idea, and like you said, it takes. It's like I said. It, it takes more than a month. It takes more than anything. It takes. I mean, it takes a whole freaking summer to really build a camaraderie with everybody, and everybody that has the same focus about what the mission is. I mean, I mean, hopefully, every player there there to say, hey, we're going to win a national championship, and but you got to get everybody on board from the staff to the players to the trainers. Everybody in that organization has to be that that right. mindset. And with Spencer Sanders, their quarterback, throwing to his own receivers is huge. You know, we have Spencer Radler at OU. He's throwing to just random guys right now. You know, there may be some of some of his receivers that are around like Rambo uh, here and there, but he doesn't have the ability or the opportunity right now to throw to his receivers. Spencer Sanders will, and he's going to be able to build that continuity, that chemistry from day one once they take – Field, you know, they all get together. They're going to be quarantined, but they're all going to go to the the field and work out. We're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. You know, this is the first week of June. You know, next week, you know, UIL is going to open up for strength and conditioning. You know, so that's going to be playing, you know, some major roles, you know, with everybody else, you know, in the nation to kind of see how everybody's going to start doing their their preparation for, for our fall f- football season. I mean, that's where it all starts. Right. Do I think that this is going to equate to more points on the board in the fall for these teams that are starting early? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the the the, the jump start on getting ahead of everybody, I think, is beneficial overall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, always there's always good for the head start. So, right. But like I said, we got a couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. And uh, you know, like I said, we just want we need to hear some news. You know, I'm tired of the same news every day. So let. It's gonna get there. We're gonna just we're just sitting on the edge of our seat. So, but let's go to this. We were talking. You're, what what the hell is Mount Rushmore? I mean, I know what it is. We got the presidents up there, but you got something about Dallas Cowboys on Mount Rushmore. Come on, what what, what are you talking about? There's been here? a lot of talk in the sports world lately of who is the f- Mount Rushmore of each of the 32 NFL teams. And since we're big Cowboys fans, we're in Cowboy Country. No. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. Okay, who, I see what you're saying now. Who okay. are the four faces that we would choose to have on our Mount Rushmore of our organization, the Dallas Cowboys? You go first. Well, shoot, man. You know, if I had to put one face, you know, and he was, like I said, one of my biggest idols as a kid growing up and I paid his position because that's why I wanted to be a running back because of Emmett Smith. I mean, plain and simple, he he's just like Barry Sanders. He's the one that I watched, both of them. I watched both of them because they were just incredible. They were incredible. He's an all-time leading rusher with 18,000 yards. I mean, I, I can't uh, disagree with you there. I mean, plus, I mean, I mean, I mean, at the same time, I mean, hell, he won Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. So no, we the, forget about uh, that. No, no, no. That's, that. no, that's underrated. I though. try not to. I try not to remember that. I'm like, he's still a football player. Don't he <laughs> is, but he's <laughs> but, still athletic enough. But to damn, dance. he can dance. Yeah, no. you and I both know how hard it is oh, to yeah. dance, especially at that level. Yeah, no joke. Man, you got to give him credit. Yeah, exactly. No, I love him. It's you know, and he's always been. You know, he's never been in the news or anything like that with big scandals or anything like that he's he's done a great job with the organization he, you know he retired as a cowboy even though he went and played for the cardinals for right a couple of seasons but i mean it's just one of those things that 
with Emmett, man, he 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 belongs on Mount Rushmore if there was with the Cowboys because, I mean, yes, he's the all-time leading rusher. Right. Yes, we know that. But, I mean, he took care of that team. He took care of it. He was a threat all the time when he touched the ball. He was reliable. But, he played hurt. He he was a tough guy. You know, and I mean, if if I could, if you could put a little person right next to it, I mean, you would put you would put Moose next to him because man, Moose really blocked his. But yes, offers, I mean, fullbacks are underrated, and they yes. do the dirty work. He he really he opened the holes for him, man. Exactly, and that's one of those things. It's like, you know, you got you always got to give credit to somebody else too, you know. And and you know, they had the, and of course he had a great offensive line, but you know, those that guy, man, he blocked the hell for for Emmett. So he did. He he did the that's, dirty that, work. That would be my first pick. You Your know, first where, pick? That's a great pick, man. Personally. For me, my first pick has to be to the first head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Tom Landry. He stayed with the Cowboys for 29 years, beginning in 1965, and he kept the Cowboys above 500 and didn't have a losing season until 1986. For me, he's the foundation of the Cowboys organization. His iconic, you know, fedora hat. He's just one of those characters and one of those iconic figures. You see a silhouette. You know who it is. You know it's him. He just he yes. brought success to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he was on the sidelines for five Super Bowl appearances, winning two in two NFL championship games. He's regarded as one of the best coaches of all time in general. He's up there with Lombardi, you know. He's just one of those those role models that I looked up to as a kid. I know he was before my time, but when you look at the Dallas Cowboys as a whole, and you look at the the contribution of players and coaches, I feel like you can't say Dallas Cowboys without Tom Landry. He's just the, the revolutionary influence with his philosophy on offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, and just the way that he was uh, such a mild-mannered guy and so yeah. respected. And he was, uh, he was just one of those coaches that really connected well with his players. Well, it says a lot whenever he steps on the field or whenever he opens his mouth. Players stop and right. they listen. I mean, it's just whenever whatever came out of his mouth was, you know, was important at he, all times. He reminds me a lot of Bud Wilkinson in Oklahoma back in the 50s. You know, they, they have kind of the same personality. They're, they come off as, as a very, you know, respectful, sweet guy, but they're also very stern and disciplinary when they have to be. And, you know, Landry ranks fourth on the – NFL's all-time wins list. He's up there with the greats. Uh, you can't, like I said, you can't mention Dallas without Landry. Who you got next, Aaron? Well, you know, it's another running back. You know, I, I know uh, I didn't get to, you know, I wasn't born at the time. But I've seen a lot of video on him. Tony Dorsett. I mean, God, that boy can run. I mean, he was just, his legs were moving all the time. And, I mean, just watching old, you know, films and everything with Tony Dorsett. I mean, he just—he was incredible, incredible running back to watch. Just downhill. He played in such a hard nose period, an era of football. And you're right; he was—he was a downhill kind yeah. of guy. He was rough, tough. He did whatever it took. He fought for extra yards. On top of that, I mean, I mean, as a rookie, I mean, he won Offense Rookie of the Year. I mean, and. It's just one of those, you know, when you come you win rookie of the year as a running back, that's tough because 
I mean, usually, you know, rookie of the years usually go maybe to a receiver, to a quarterback, you know. You, you can kind of get away with some yards and things like that. But as a running back, it's very tough because, I mean, you never know what you're going to get. And you're going to get you're going to get slammed, you know, and hurt. But, man, he, he did it. He did it. You know, he, he was able to uh, also rush, you know, 66 yards and score a touchdown in the, the Super Bowl victory that year, too. Uh, let's see, Super Bowl twelve. He was yeah. So, he was a vital piece of the Super Bowl teams of the seventies. So and also he, I mean, at the same time, he ran for eight thousand yard seasons. That's awesome, right there. That's a thousand yards, man. That's that's what you hunt for when you're a running you back. Yeah. That's what you want to achieve. Is you want to get over a thousand yards as well as if you're a receiver. But as a running back, if you're over a thousand yards, yeah, you're yeah. effective, you're productive, and you're ranked higher than. And like I said, he's an He's in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. You know, that's for a why reason. For a reason. Yeah, he's there for a reason. Not just because he was a cowboy. He he worked his ass off, and he he deserves to be you know up there. So, all right, that's that. That was my number two. My number two, man. I gotta go with Roger the Dodger Staubach. I mean, he was a staple for the Cowboys from 1969 to 1979 for a whole decade. He quarterbacked in five Super Bowls with two victories. He earned Super Bowl MVP in 1971, and he was a six-time Pro Bowler and was the second-highest-rated passer at the time of his retirement. Throughout his career, man, he was always productive. He was a comeback kid. He was really respected, you know. He had that professional persona, and he was a good face for your children to look up to. He was a good, iconic figure for them to take after. That's what I liked about him the most. And like I said with Tom Landry, you can't talk about the Dallas Cowboys without talking about Roger Staubach. He's just one of the greats. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. He's, of course he's a great man. I mean, he, I just, mean, like I said, we weren't alive, but watching old films and things like that. And being a historian like you and I are, we know – who the greats are, we know what they accomplished. We know everything that, that they brought to the table. And Staubach, I mean, it would be a crime to leave him off of the Mount Rushmore oh, yeah. Dallas Cowboys. So, Who do you have for third? Oh, man, you know my third, dude. I just, I know some people are going to be like, why? Why? But, man, I just, I love Michael Irvin, man. Uh, playmaker well, playmaker but at the same time man i mean he was so he's just so damn competitive i know that he had his issues and things like that you know but i mean that was the 90s you know? there's, right there's a lot of things going on a lot of uh you know so unspeakable things behind the scenes you know, going man, on he just he's like you said man the playmaker man i mean he just you know and even even listening to him you know now as a you know a as a, an analyst or sports and I mean I love listening to Michael man I he's love passionate. his passion he has right. a great passion to it I mean I mean he knows you know he made his mistakes when he was younger but now as a wise man he's able to spread that wise to the the younger generation and really help them out right and you know and yes he won Super Bowls and he's done I mean he did a lot of great with you know with the Cowboys you know won three championships you know, caught passes in the Super Bowl, even in, you know, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's great, but... That's not- the thing about him, man. He made such great plays in big moments. Yeah, but, you know, now, as you know, he, even though he's a, 
a great cowboy. I think he's great for the NFL, especially helping out with yeah, I agree. with his younger talent. I do think well, you know, with the stigma of him back in the day of all of his troubles that he had, it it does make his image look better that he's involved with the NFL. He's contributing to the Cowboys, and he's a voice. He's a voice for players. He's a he's he gives oh, them yeah. suggestions. He's there to you know consult with them if they need any help. He's just one of those guys that I feel is necessary, especially for the Cowboys organization moving forward to consult with and groom CD lamb, the exactly. next to wear his number. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he knows that, that CD lamb is going to come up and represent it. Right. You know I mean? We've had some other 88s, but I think CD Lamb's going to be wearing eight much. He better. may, you know, I don't want to sound biased, but he may be the best to ever wear it. I hope I'm, 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 uh, I don't think it's biased. Man. Right by saying that? I don't think that's biased because, I mean, we saw what C.D. Lamb did at OU. Yes, he had great quarterbacks and everything, man. But he was a threat, man. Even though they had double coverage on him, man, they couldn't stop him. They could not stop him. And it just goes to show what his potential is now in the NFL. Because, yes, he's going to have a little bit better defense or cornerback and defensive backs, so you know, safety. But they're still going to have to try to cover him. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, and and that that number that he's going to wear on his back is legendary because of Michael, because of Dez, because of Drew. You know, it goes all the way back to the seventies with Drew Pearson. He's the one that began the the legendary, you know, eighty eight, and then Michael continued it, and then Dez adopted it from Michael. And now we have CD Lamb. It's like a fourth generation thing. Um, we always forget about Drew Pearson and. He was the reliable receiver, the one that could take the top off a of defense. And with the number 88, he made it legendary. He was the exactly. originator. Exactly. And he just set the high standard. So, all right, that was my three. What about, what about you, number three? Well, there's one that I have to agree with you on, and that is Emmett Smith. I mean, Smith was a workhorse. Like I said, he had over 18,000 yards on the ground, rushing throughout his career. He's all-time leading rusher. He led the league in carries three times in rushing yards four times and in rushing touchdowns three times. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler and was named first-team Pro Bowl or All-Pro four times. He's just – he's one of those names. When you associate Dallas Cowboys with any player, he's going to be brought up because he was so great. He was such a – professional character he wasn't outlandish and his, his uh, antics off the field he was very uh he was an honorable guy like y- your kids could look up to him and for oh, me yeah. as a kid i looked up to him hardcore he was one of those running backs and players that was larger than life to me i mean he was like superman i was really big into comic book characters when i was younger but once i got older man emmett smith was my superhero oh absolutely he was, he was larger than life. He wasn't the fastest guy. Let's, let's be honest. He wasn't no, the strongest guy, no. but he was the toughest guy, and he had Just, heart. And okay. that's, that's what I connected with the most. Mm-hmm. You know, being one of the triplets, he's probably the most important one, in my opinion. You know, whenever I look at, you know, running backs these days right now, you know, one of the comparisons that I, you know, that downhill but not fast, you know, I always think, you know, Marshall Lynch, you know, 
he he's just he's not the fastest, but he's gonna go downhill. He's, he's gonna, gonna hit you in the mouth. Yeah. He's gonna run over you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't get you don't get many running backs like that these days. They're trying to pull all these cool moves and all that. Which trying is, to juke everybody, you know. but yeah, um, Emmett. So, he, I remember that game against New York. His shoulder came out of place, dislocated, popped it back in, and he he went on and and finished the game and had a great game. That just is a testament to a great tough player. Oh yeah. All right, your final one, Aaron. Who's your final? final, man. I don't know. A lot of people are going to hate me for this. Let's hear it. You know, Tony Romo. I'm no, just kidding. No, oh. no, Tony Romo. No, Tony Romo. I love you, Tony, but I'm sorry, buddy. You're not going to probably be in the ring of honor, but not yeah, the you, Mount Rushmore. You can take a picture of the, of the yeah, Cowboy Rushmore from there. Oh, yeah. But definitely. if anybody, man, Troy Eggman. Okay. Golly, you know, I love Troy. I mean, I know some people are like, man, I just hate listening to him on – on the game of the week on Fox and everything. <laughs> but you know what, man? He's he's still Troy Aikman, dude. He he won Super Bowls. And he, golly, man, you know, I just there's there's sometimes that I mean, I know sometimes he has to be, you know, he has to keep it in the median, you know, out there you can't swing. But I like some of the some of the quotes he gives, you know, he he, he talks about how the game is soft a lot and things like that. I mean, he I, I and it's because here's the thing, he came in a in an interview back in 2017 with um, McClay Skipper. Uh, he man, he said it was a, it was a brutal game whenever he played, you know. And he's really really fortunate to be one of the ones that was able to get out of the game and still be healthy, right? You know, I mean he, I mean he's, I mean if you look at him these days, you know he's he's he looks good. I mean. He's not, you know. He's, he does look good, and if he would have played any longer, man. Yeah, and even when, it, I mean, he had a lot of concussions. He did. We saw a lot of, you know, he took a lot of blows. I mean, I mean, golly, he took some massive hits, you know. And and the thing about so. Troy Aikman, he didn't have the most standout statistical seasons of all time, but he was a leader of a team that was stacked. Let's be honest, but he. He controlled that team. He led them. He was a vocal leader. He led by example as well. And that's one of the biggest, you know, recognitions that I give him as a quarterback. And he was he was efficient. He was he was effective. Well, yeah, because when you have a lot of guys like that that they know they're good. I mean, yeah, that's great. But you got to keep them level headed too. You got to put them in their place. And right. I think you know Troy did a pretty good job on that, tremendously. I mean, and I, you know, and it's. One of those things, it's like, well, you know, you're the quarterback. Yeah, I know you're the leader. Yeah, you got, but some, you gotta be. You saw he had to be a dick. Yeah, you, you gotta be. I mean? You gotta be a jerk sometimes. And I remember watching some some old footage of him on the sidelines when Barry Switzer took over, you know, in '95, and he was like, "Man, you guys, Barry's just not doing it. He's not motivating us. We gotta light ourselves up. We gotta try to get us going because in the end, we're the ones." who put the production on the field. We carry the team. Yeah, Coaches exactly. tell us what to do, but it, it's up to us. And he, in that instance, lose, losing Jimmy Johnson and tra- making the transition to Barry, Barry just kind of got kept things going. He was a great coach. Don't get me wrong. I love Barry. He's the king. But Troy Aikman, he really took it upon himself to be vocal on the sidelines, in the locker room, and that's what made that Dallas Cowboy team great. I don't think Romo was – vocal enough 
No. And that's why he wasn't as successful as Troy Aikman. You know what no, I mean? No, he could. I mean, he had threats. I mean, yeah, you have Des Bryant. You had, you had some good receivers. You had, you had, Witten, a good you yeah, had Witten. Beasley. Yeah, but really, whenever they like, I mean, I know Des is Des, man, but just put him in his place. You you get paid just the same as him. Put him in his place. Like, man, shut the hell up. You know. When I throw the ball, you better damn catch it. Because, you know, Dez would always say, well, I want the ball. But when he got the ball thrown, he'd freaking drop it. Oh, yeah. You know? So, it's like, hell no, man. And, and, and Romo had T.O. T.O., yeah. you know, he's tough to play with, let's be honest. Yeah, it's tough. But but if if, if Aikman would have been playing with him, I feel like, man. Shut up. Do your job and catch yeah, the ball. T.O. would have taken a back seat and be like, all right, that's my quarterback. Yep. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to do whatever yeah, it takes. exactly. I, I just think for a quarterback to be successful in the NFL, you've got to be a vocal leader. You've got to lead by example, and you've got to be one of those guys that works harder than anyone else on the team. Everyone looks at you as the face of the team. If you Let's be honest. If you don't have a good quarterback in the NFL, you're not going to be successful. But think about it. You've got to be ten times better because you're the Cowboy quarterback. Exactly. There's so much more pressure There's on more you. pressure. There's, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, you're a quarterback. But – when you're the Dallas Cowboy quarterback, you better believe you gotta you gotta work ten times harder. And you're damn because right. Because you're everybody's watching your step every damn thing. Exactly. And with Dak, man, I just don't think he's got it leadership wise. He's a hard worker. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think, think he's a hard worker, but he's a little bit of a prima donna. We've seen right lately. now. I think his agents is in his fucking head, and oh yeah, you know, I just right now, man, it's just like, dude, you know. You need to quit thinking about the money. You know, I, you're, I know your agent wants a part of it. Everybody does, but come on, man, that's a pretty damn good cut. Put well, it aside. Go. Put it aside, dude. You, you're Dallas Cowboy quarterback. You're at the, so. you're at the forefront of the most popular organization in the NFL in the world. Just play the game. Yeah. Shut up. So that is our Dallas Cowboy morning rush. I, I got one it. more. That was fun. Oh wait, was that me? Are you sure? No, that was me. So now it's James. I've What's got, your number four? People aren't going to really, I guess, gravitate to this this one because it's not it's not one of those. You're going to pick Larry Allen. No, I'm not going to pick Larry <laughs> Allen. It's not one of those popular picks, but you know he played 14 years for the Cowboys from 61 to 74, and my fourth spot on the Mount Rushmore for the Cowboys is Bob Lilly. He never played for another team and did not miss a game in his career. He was a great player for the Cowboys. And you don't see defensive players play for a team for 10, 12, 14 years. Bob Lilly did. And you know what? He played in and started all 14 games for 14 years. That equates to 196 starts for the Cowboys. He's one of the most decorated players in team history. I don't see how anyone can leave Bob Lilly off this list. I know he's one of those underrated guys you don't really think of right off the bat. You want you think oh, yeah, of flashy exactly. offensive players. You think of the big plays, yeah, exactly. But with Bob Lilly, I mean, he played in 14 playoff games and won a Super Bowl in 1971. He was a first-team All-Pro seven times and was a 10-time Pro Bowler. He is a true Cowboy great. And without Bob Lilly... They don't win the 1971 Super Bowl. He was he was a leader on that defense. He was a staple for them to be successful. And that's why I chose Bob Lilly to be my fourth pick. It's a good choice. I like that. Good, good. Like you said, 
cowboy in and out. That's what he is. I mean, he never played for anybody else. He is a true Dallas Cowboy. You can't deny that. Nope. Well, that was a really good. That was pretty fun. I like the whole Mount Rushmore, you know, especially with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I know there's other people that think differently, but though you know, those are the ones that we like. You know, we it, they meant something to us. You know, they had a good feeling towards us. But now we're gonna switch it up just a little bit. We're gonna go into the college football preseason rankings. You know, we did talk about you know a little bit about Oklahoma State. Reporting back here pretty soon for their uh, summer uh, programs and everything like that, summer camps. But now let's talk about the teams that are, you know, pre-ranked, okay? Preseason favorites favorites. to be top 25. You know, and, uh, you know, you got to understand, pre-rankings, you know, it's pre-rankings. Exactly. You can't, you can't. You Some people take it too hard. Right. You can't hold too much validity or equity into it, but you have to have a beginning start to where you think these teams are going to shake up for the fans, for the polls, because we all rely on the polls. We have to have some type of format in, in place. And coming in at number 25, we have Boise State Broncos. Mm, I love me some blue turf. Nothing beats the blue turf. Because I'm telling you, man, that that is something that I love. Anybody on a Saturday night sees blue, you know it's Boise State. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they've been one of the most consistent programs the past, I would say, 15 years with, oh, with yeah. winning and being successful. I mean, they're, they've made a considerable amount of upsets. They have. They've done some upsets, you know, but- it's you know still you know like I said they they're still up and coming still in the Mountain West. Number twenty four, okay. I don't know about this one. Maybe James might might think differently too with me. Who's our number twenty four? Number twenty four, the UFC Knights. I mean, I mean, come on now. Group of five, they belong. They belong in the conversation. Mm. UFC, UCF. I mean, yeah, they on. beat. They beat some quality teams, you know, in the past few years. They've went undefeated under um, Scott Frost, who went on to become the head coach of his alma mater at Nebraska. They're a legitimate threat. They are. And they do – I feel like they do belong to be in the preseason top 25 based on what they did last season and what they're bringing back and what they can contribute to this season. Now, at number 23, we have the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, okay, it's an SEC team, all right? I know they're going to say, well, they belong in there because it's an SEC. I mean, but Kentucky, I mean, yeah, they, they've won some games, but have they won the big games, you know, in the SEC? No. No, no they haven't. No, they, they haven't, but they've been bowl eligible. Didn't they beat Florida? Yeah, but, yeah, but Florida hasn't been that dominant either yet, you know? So. There was that year where they beat Florida. I mean, I like Stoops there. He he's really done a great job at turning that program around. Hey, you never know. You never know with Kentucky. They're not a traditional powerhouse or legitimate yeah. contender in football in the SEC or in the nation in general. They're more of a basketball school, but they could shake things up. They could be one of those 500 teams or you know. Bow eligible teams with six wins. You just never know. 
we'll see what they can do this season. At number 22, we have Louisville Cardinals. You know, Louisville, man, they, they, they really surprise me every year. They really do. You know, they, they, have, they always have a pretty good squad. And on top of that, they, they'll come out and they'll put it to you. So I like I like that one. That's they not bad. I like Louisville. They oh. they've they've made some great recruiting adjustments, you know. And I think with the Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson, they've kind of gained some traction in their recruiting. And you know they're one of those teams that are hot and cold going into two two thousand twenty. I don't know who all they have back, but hey, you never know what can happen there. And then at twenty one, we have the Arizona State Sun Devils. With Herm Edwards. I don't think about it. I don't like that pick. Why not? I don't like Arizona State. Never have, never will. I don't know. I just they're, – they're, uh, they're too much up and down. They'll go and win these big games, and then they'll lose to the most crappiest team. I, I, I just don't like that pick with Arizona State. So. Yeah, they're, they are. They're, like I said with Louisville, they're real hot and cold. Um, you know, over there in the Pac-12, they haven't been one of those contenders year in and year out, and that's why I can't – I can't see them being an end-of-the-season top 25 team. I, th- I can see them maybe winning six games, six or seven games, but that's about it. And at number 20, we've got the Cincinnati Bearcats. Which sometimes they give me a little scrappy here and there, you know. And, you know, the thing about it, you know, with Cincinnati and, and just the top, just from 20 to 25, I think it's not a bad idea to put these 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 teams in the top 25 to see who's actually going to make a breakthrough, okay? Because, I mean, I know for a team, you say, well, we're, we're ranked, 20, you know, hey, we're ranked 22. Okay, we should be ranked higher, right? That's what every team wants to say. That's not bad. It's a good start, okay? But, like I said, I think some teams deserve to be on there, and then some, I'm like, eh. Especially, eh. yeah, from 20 to 25, it's debatable. And, you know, you can find different polls with different – um, sports outlets that you go to, whether it be ESPN, 24 Sports, uh, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, you're going to find different polls for preseason rankings. And we're going off the 24-7 sports poll. And coming in at number 19, cracking the top 20, we have North Carolina with Mac Brown. Yes, man. I, see, I like that one. I like – I really do. I think North Carolina football – has gotten much, much better. Considerably better. And, you know, they took Clemson to the wire last year. They yeah. should have beat Clemson. They should have beat Clemson, yes, exactly. You know, and I, I, <laughs> I, liked, I like North Carolina. They're going to be one of those teams, again, that they're going to go out there and they're going to put a, a game against you, you know, and I think that that's a really good uh, a good start for them. I agree you know, with for you. A preseason. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, North Carolina is one of those teams that that's real scrappy in there. They're – like a kind of like a tech of a big 12 of the big 12. They can upset people. They can surprise some people. They can be a dark horse in the ACC. And I I like, you know, I know, I I know coach Brown, you know, I know he's, he was a, you know, big UT legend, but now they're at North Carolina, you know, I, I, he's a great fit for North Carolina because I think so too. The players love him. Well, that he, he can coach. He doesn't have that pressure like he did at UT. He, I think he just had too much pressure now he's able just to relax and just have a good time. I and mean, then I think that's a perfect fit for him. I totally agree with you, man. Um, he is a great coach. You know, I'm a hardcore. I'm a Sooner through and through. Soon to be Sooner alum. But I got to give credit where credit's due. Mac Brown was a great college football coach. He did great things at UT. 
and I can see him doing some great things at UNC. Do I do I think that they'll win the ACC? Mm, probably not, but they can have winning seasons and win some bowl games for sure. Now we're going to move on to number 18. We have the Utah Utes, and Utah was one of those teams Utah. outside. They were They were poised to have that fourth playoff spot. They lost to Oregon. They have Kyle Whittingham as their head coach. They're just one of those teams I feel like last year they were really overrated, so I feel like this is a great spot for them to be ranked preseason-wise. What do you think? I think that's good. And I don't I don't like how they get over – you know, yes, they're overrated. They really are. They'll get seated up high, high, and then, boom, they'll get their butt up. You know, I think this is good for where they're at. Until they play a big team and win a big game, then you can deserve it to be up there. Right, and – I really thought they were going to beat Texas in that in that bowl game in the Sugar Bowl, but they did not play well. No, they their didn't. defense didn't play as well as I thought that they would, considering how hyped they were and how good the defensive line was. You know, I heard that all season, but you know, losing to Oregon, losing to Texas, it just kind of took all the wind out of their sails. I don't, I don't see them doing much this year in 2020. I could see them maybe coming in third or fourth in the Pac-12, but probably not much more than that. All right, at number 17, we have the Texas A&M Aggies. No. No. <laughs> God, no. If you know Aaron at all, you know he's a Tech alum, so he's, but he hates A&M. I, it's not even, I don't even – I mean, I Come respect on, bro. him. You, you I'm not going to sit here and say I hate him, but that right there, Coach Fisher, I love you. I really do. Always will. I think you're a great coach. Always will be a great coach. But I do not think you should be up there at 17. There's no way. A&M just, to me, just, yeah, they'll start off okay. And then, then they just start, right. boom. When, when, they, they, when they play top 10 teams, they're not successful. They shit the bed. You know? Yeah. And. I mean, for goodness sake, they won't even play Texas anymore. They Come won't on. play Texas anymore. And I'm sorry to our buddy Joseph. He's a huge Texas A&M fan. You know, he went down there and watched them beat LSU in that seven overtime game, which was a great, great college football game. I wish I was there to see that. But I just don't think A&M is quite there yet. Jimbo Fisher has another year or two to go to have them competing at the level where they can break through in the SEC. You know, if they were still in the Big 12 – they would be one of those threats every single year. Absolutely. They would be at the top, and I would respect that. But if you're going to move the, if you're going to make the jump to the SEC, you better start learning how to compete against Bama, LSU, Auburn. I mean, that's what you were signing up for. Now you better start doing it. And they haven't. They, just they get, haven't. And they get their they, ass whooped. They haven't. Since Johnny Manziel, as far as the quarterback situation, they have not found the legitimate answer at quarterback. And with senior Kellen Mond coming uh, back, I've never been a fan of Kellen Mond. Mond is a, he just he was an IMG Academy bust. bust. I mean, he's, I just, they, they, there's plenty of Texas quarterbacks that are ten times better than him. So, that, uh, yeah, his numbers aren't drastically, you know, embarrassing. Yeah. But he's got to get better. He's got to get better. He In, in key situations, he, he threw those costly picks. He doesn't seem like he had a lot of um, knowledge of what to do in certain situations, how to audible out of things and how to 
how to progressively push his offense down the field. He looked lost a lot. I don't. Yeah, I always he, got that feeling from him. I, I think he looked dumb out in the field. And then with his, when he took off his helmet, he has little stupid whatever thing on. It's like, dude, come on. Come on. I want to see Texas A&M I, I want, good. Because, yes, I, I would like to see A&M up there. Yes, I want to have good Texas football. But, I mean, Fisher, you can you got this, man. You got to get another quarterback. Mon is not the man. So, and then with 16, I was kind of surprised on this one. Wisconsin, the Badgers at 16. I thought they'd at least be breaking into the top 10. Yeah, I mean, they lost Jonathan Taylor. Um, they, they're just one of those teams. They're old school. They pound the ball. They run the ball. They have great offensive linemen. They're like a factory there at Wisconsin. But to compete, when they get to the level of competing with the top talent of college football, they cannot keep up. If they can't play their game and control the clock and run their offense effectively, they just they get lost, they get embarrassed. It stays close for a couple quarters and they just they just can't they can't sustain with those type of teams. Ohio State, man, Ohio State's one of those juggernauts that is great on offense, great on defense. They've got an offense where they can score quick. They can score at any point. Wisconsin doesn't have that capability. They don't have that luxury no, of scoring don't. quick and keeping up with these teams with the innovative shift in college football. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the biggest problem I've ever always seen with Wisconsin. Exactly. And that's you know, I agree. I totally agree on that. That is a very like you said, yeah, they're gonna pound they're gonna pound it, but you know, after a while you you're able to figure out how to stop it and then they're in trouble. So all right, number fifteen. I didn't. I don't like this one either. <laughs> Michigan. Do you think they should be ranked lower? I think they shouldn't even be in the top twenty-five. Okay, okay. I don't. I mean, all right, Jim. You were an NFL quarterback or quarterback, or you were a head coach. That's great. Okay, but Michigan needs to find somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like that. He's on the hot seat for sure. He's got to do something this year to beat Ohio State. If they don't beat Ohio State, dude, he is out. This is his sixth year in Ann Arbor. It's the same old freaking story with Jim Harbaugh. He just doesn't have what it takes to get the Wolverines over the hump. And I think it's not the players. I think it's him. It's the coaching now. He makes some stupid-ass calls. (laughs) I just don't. And, you know, just like with, with Cliff Kingsbury being hired at Tech, I thought this fit was great. He was a former player. He knows the program. He he's a diehard Wolverine, diehard Michigan. I mean, yeah. he knows he knows what it takes to win there, and he, it, does, he just does. he hasn't gotten the job done. You know, losing to Michigan State, losing Ohio State—that's unacceptable. Exactly. I mean, if you if you're going to keep your job, you better be at Ohio State. Exactly. And Michigan State, but you can't do it. You can't do it, man. So we'll see how it goes with the old Wolverines this next year. We've got Oklahoma State fourteen. I like, I like that one, man. You know, like I said, man, the Cowboys—they're always. They're always underlooked, you know, especially in the Big 12. I mean, because, you know, when you think about Big 12, you think of OU and Texas, you know, really, that's it, really, most of the time, you know, but Oklahoma State. They're knows. always in the in the hunt. Um, I think this year with Chuba Hubbard coming back, he's a superstar running back. Oh, yes. And then with Spencer Sanders, he's got a year under his belt. He's a dual threat kind of guy. 
I really think they have a shot to win the Big 12. I hate to say it as a Sooners fan, but you know they've got the the recipe for success this season, and they're one of those teams that can that can stand up and really surprise some people, especially with those offensive weapons coming back. They've got all American caliber, you know, players that are returning. I just don't see how you can count them out as far as being a top 10 team. I think this is a little bit low for them to be ranked. I think they should be ranked maybe 10 or 11, but it's just always with them. It's always, they shit the bed when it comes to uh, beating one of the quality opponents on their schedule. And if they can get over the hump and beat OU, beat Texas, they have a great shot to go, you know, to the big 12 championship and get into a new year six bowl. Yeah. So, and then right ahead of them, of course, we got to talk about Texas. Trash, trash. No, I, I mean. I, I don't know about that one either. I just, they had, listen, man, they had high expectations going into the last season, and they stunk. Getting beat by TCU, getting beat by Baylor. You know, Baylor was good last season, but come on, guys. You're Texas. You can't lose those games. You get the best recruits. Every freaking year. You get five stars. You get five stars. You maybe not have as many five stars as Ohio State, Clemson, or Alabama, but you get them. You get the top talent in Texas. You just don't generate the type of coaching it takes to develop those players. And I don't get it, man. I don't get it at all. But I do think Texas will be solid this year. They'll be at the top of the Big 12 because of Sam Ellinger coming back. I like the kid. He's a he's a he's a good college quarterback. I don't think it's going to translate so well into the NFL, but he's a leader. He's been around the program for what three or four years. He's one of those guys that's a legacy. He's going to be there. He's going to know what it takes to get his team over the hump. Now they play LSU down in Baton Rouge. How do you think that's going to turn out? Tough place, man. I mean, that's the freaking heart. I mean, I've been to Dev Valley, man. That stadium is huge, and I know Texas is huge, but. LSU, man, come on, man. That is a hard, hard place to win on the road. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, if they can go down there and put up a good game, uh, you know, good. That's good. that's the uh, marquee but. game besides Oklahoma on their schedule that they must win to have a chance at a New Year's Six game or the Big 12 championship or even a national championship. You know, when they got healthy at the end of the season when they played Utah, they really showed out on on defense. They played well. They shut them down, and if they can stay healthy throughout the season, I see them be doing big things. I do not want them to come into to Dallas in the Cotton Bowl and beat our beat my Sooners, but it's going to be yeah. a, a competitive big game this year, and I think they have a little bit of the edge going into that game with Sam Ellinger coming back and a lot of talent there returning. And with OU having Spencer Radler, brand new under center, we just don't know what's going to happen. He's a five-star recruit out of Arizona. But the Texas Longhorns look primed to have a successful season. But you like, like yeah. I said, we said that last year, and look what we happened. Exactly. Yeah, we always say it every year. We oh. we say that every year. And Tom Herman, yeah. he's on the hot seat, just like Jim Harbaugh. I feel yeah. like he's got to he's got to put together a, a ten plus win season. Got to get there. And you know, ten wins is overrated these days. Anybody with a decent team can get to ten wins because of all the cupcakes we play now. But. Yep. We'll see what see. type of season they end up having. At number 12, we have P.J. Fleck in the Minnesota Golden oh, that's Gophers. That's a pretty good one. I like that one. That's a pretty good – you know, not many people are like, what, Minnesota, really? 
you know, they play in a tough division. You know, they play Wisconsin. They play these big, these Big Ten teams, and they help. They hold. They hold themselves really well. How do you like uh, PJ Fleck as a coach? I think he's he's a motivational guy. That's I what like I like him. about him. I like I, the row the boat yeah. uh, mentality. He they're coming off an eleven win season, which is huge for them exactly. to win eleven games. It's, so. I think they're going to carry that momentum into the season and actually be a top ten team throughout the year. I hope so. I like Minnesota. I mean, it's, I mean, I know that I'm not going to sit there and say that's my first game to watch on Saturday, but it's pretty, like I said, it's cool to see them up there. They're one of those you big, know. Big Ten teams that can be dangerous for and sure. And you know, on number eleven, you got the Auburn Tigers. Go War Eagle, or whatever the hell they say. Don't say that. <laughs> Gag. No, I'm just joking. We got Gus Malzahn. He's one of those oh, coaches. Gus. He's, oh, a, Gus. he's a roller yeah. coaster. You never yeah. know with old Gus. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of on the hot seat, in my opinion, as well. We'll see what ha- happens well, this year. You know, well, but, as long as they beat Alabama, then they'll be fine. But, you know, they always got, you know, LSU, Bama. I mean, they got some tough teams, like always. That SEC West is a tough, tough division. And a positive for them is having sophomore quarterback Bo Nix coming back. So, so I mean, it could it could be a also huge. Also, they got. I mean, also they got uh, what's his name uh, Newton, Cam Newton's little brother is gonna mm-hmm. go there too. So, I don't know. I see another Cam Newton part two maybe, but oh, Bo Nix, he, he he'll do okay. He he stood do. in there last year and had some. Great moments. What they did? They play Oregon the first game of the season, and they end up beating Oregon. I think so. Um, you know, he was up and down. He's a freshman. You got to expect an up and down kind of year when you start a freshman quarterback at the Division One level, exactly. especially at the, in the Power Five level. I mean, he he did he did okay. He did about as good as he he could have done. And I think his father played for Auburn back in the day as well. So he's got that blood running through him. That you know. Those Auburn colors. So we'll see what he can do this year. Now we are in the top ten. Here we go. This is I kind of like these top ten, kind of. Oh, uh, you know, this I actually like number ten. This one's really good because, I mean, if you didn't watch Florida Gator football, I mean, there was something wrong with you. And I've always liked Florida. I'm not saying <sighs> I was the biggest fan, not the biggest fan, but Florida. You know, just like Texas football, Florida football gets to get back on the map, too. They do. And they're one of those teams, so, like when we were younger, you and I, they were successful with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Um, exactly. They're really popular for a lot of – a lot of my friends jumped on their bandwagon pretty early. And, <laughs> you know, they beat my Sooners in the 2008 National Championship. Yeah. But they really hadn't been back to the promised land. Their biggest nemesis with Georgia, getting over the hump, beating Georgia. Yeah, that's tough. Winning the SEC, I mean, they just gotta. They've got to focus on winning their conference before anything else, and we'll see what they can do this year. They're equipped with perhaps the SEC's top returning quarterback and Kyle Trask, and he he jumped in after the other quarterback got hurt. Yes, you know, and he did a pretty oh, good he job. Did, he did a good job. I like Trask. I think he's gonna do he's gonna do good this year. You know, they're one of the most complete just, teams. They really are. Now just gotta go and. Get it done. That's it. I mean, that's that's always what I mean. I know that's the point of the game, but gotta go. Even when there's hard times, get over it. Let's go. So, so yeah. Like I said, that's a pretty good number ten. I like I like seeing Florida back in the top ten. 
It's good to see for, uh, a Florida team. You know, I don't really care too much for Florida State. Florida State or, just completely fell off. And then, you know, if Miami can ever get back, you know, Miami's, I know you, baby. <laughs> the U. Yeah, we all know about the U. But they're still – they're still down. We'll see what they can do. But we have number nine, Penn State Nittany Lions. Right, man, Penn State, man. They've, been, they've done the great job these last couple of years, you know, especially with Coach Franklin, man. You know, if you don't know who Coach Franklin is, he's, he's, he's had a system called the Franklin system, you know, the spread offense, things like that. But, I mean, but he's also adapted to RPO and things like that. And, I mean, he's, he's been able to do very – he's been very successful – with with what he's had and yeah and the biggest thing why he's been successful he's had a, a playoff breakthrough with big recruiting classes i think that the recruiting classes they've been able to have within the past year or two is really going to push them to the playoffs and get them over the hump in the big 10 to win the big 10 and james franklin I mean, he recently signed a long-term extension so they're they're set to do big things in the future i mean their nemesis you know Ohio State taking them down. I feel like they're the pinnacle of the Big Ten. Exactly, you've got to you got to dethrone the King. You got to you have to. That is the thing you've got to dethrone Ohio State. And they've got to go through. To. Yeah, they got to go through them to do it. I mean, they've got playmakers in the backfield and on the outside, and a potential national player of the year linebacker heading, you know, heading back. So we'll see what they can do. They've always had good linebackers. That's the thing. Oh, they, yeah. they were a linebacker factory. They're gonna do, the defense is always pretty well. So we'll we'll see. Just got to keep their offense healthy and moving, and they'll be good. Next at number eight, we've got an independent <sighs> traditional power, Notre Dame fighting I, Irish. Guys, I love Notre Dame. Don't get me wrong. I've been growing up a Notre Dame fan, but I can't agree with this one on here. I mean, okay. There's nothing wrong with going and play Navy in your opener, okay? By all means, that's cool. Go ahead, go play, go play them. But I mean, really, they don't play big, big teams. Uh, that's just my opinion. Now, if they go like this next season, they are gonna they are gonna be playing Wisconsin, and they're also gonna be playing against Clemson in South Bend. I mean, if they can go out there and win those games, okay. You, that that deserves to be in the top ten. Okay, those are those are hard games, tough battle games. But you can't sit here and tell me that you know playing Navy and playing all these other teams just are going to make you outstanding. That's just my opinion. With, with you know, they're two years removed from a playoff berth, so they've they've shown in the past that they can get there. It's just like you know, like teams like Oklahoma and Michigan State that have gotten there, uh, Washington. Winning that game and getting over the hump is the biggest issue for a lot of these teams that make the college football playoff. And Notre Dame's just in that category. They've always been able to recruit well. They've always been able to put solid teams together here and there. But being an independent, they need to join a conference. Just go ahead. Join the Big Ten. Let's go. You're right there. So, Join I mean, the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, come on. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind going to a tech game there in South Bend. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. Shit, we go all the way to West Virginia. Might as well go to South Bend, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, but whenever we're top number seven, I'm not going to say it because it, it makes my mouth, <laughs> my mouth gets real dry and gets cotton mouth. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Oklahoma Sooners, my school, my team. Look, man. 
we've we've had a lot of momentum in recruiting the past year or two, especially since you know Alex Grinch has come in. He's changed the defense. We went from you know an abysmal defense. We were ranked towards the bottom of you know the 130 Division One schools. He turned it around. We were a top 50 defense. I think we're gonna have a good year. I don't know about a great year. We'll have to see how these young players kind of acclimate to the system and, and actually make plays because we have Spencer Radler who sat behind Jalen Hurts last year, who's a proven winner. He's a great guy. I love Jalen Hurts. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the fit for the type of system that Lincoln Riley runs and wants to run. We have Spencer Rattler coming in. He's one of those guys that's going to fit great in the system. He's, he's a five-star recruit. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I do think, you know, after this year, next year is probably a year where we can legitimately say we can get back to the playoff and win a playoff game. We've gotten there three out of the last four years. We've got to get over the hump. And just like those teams that I mentioned, Michigan State, you know, Notre Dame, uh, Washington, we just we get there and we just can't win it. And it, it's a problem. <laughs> It's oh, a problem. Oh, sorry, I didn't know if you were but down I, on your train. <laughs> I I do think no, I'm I'm trying to be uh, objective here. Nah, I know just I do think Lincoln Riley's gonna win a national title. You know, it's gonna come within the next few years. We've just gotta get that recruiting going on defense. We're that's where we're lacking on the defensive side of the exactly. ball. Exactly. Well, like I said, man, they're in the Big Twelve. So I give them props. You know, they do they they have been able to get into the playoffs for the Big Twelve and I like it. So if, like you said, you know, I do like Lincoln Riley. I do, man. You know, I think he's a hell of a coach. And he's a he's a West Texas guy and everything, you know, man. I hope, you know, like I said, I hope Lincoln Riley just goes out there, pulls it off. But most of all, you know, you know, those players, like I said, man, they just got to go out there, perform, trust them, and just go, go with it. Don't you see, want to see Lincoln win one because he's a West Texas I said, guy? Yes, I said he's from the he's West a Texas. Former, he's a tech alum. I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I like Lincoln Riley. I've always liked him. I think he's a great coach. He's an innovative yeah. mind. We've just have to ever since Mike Stoops, it's just, man. It's he's, just it's just Sooner fans that I don't like. <laughs> we're good. We're good, classy fans. I can uh, say that. Okay. Well. I can't say the same about Tech. Yeah, but whatever. You know, we're gonna get over let's, the hump. Let's move on. Let's Defense is gonna get shored up. I guarantee it. All right, number six, we have the Oregon Ducks, the hmm. top of the Pac-12. What do you think? Uh, you know, losing Justin Herbert, man. That's it's gonna be hard to kind of you know because. Herbert had a great career there, you know, and now, you know, coming up here pretty soon, we'll see, you know, we'll see who the new starter is going to run this, you know, offense. Uh, Johnny Johnson third or C.J. Verdo. I mean, you're going to have a round of offensive line that's going to be really good, you know. So, I mean, you can never count the Ducks out. You know, they always bring out top, top speed. They've got good defensive talent returning, yeah. elite talent, you know, edge rushers. I mean, I think that they're going to be one of those dangerous teams and get back to the organ that we're all used to. Yeah, I, I like that one. That's not a bad one. And then you got a number five. I, I think, bless you, I think what they really did, I don't know. I think maybe they should have been ranked a little bit higher. But we got LSU at number five. And, you know, I know they lost a lot of dudes to the – to the NFL draft, mm-hmm. you know, but you gotta understand, man. That you know, yes, you got these star players, man. 
but you got backups that when they jumped in, they weren't, they were pretty damn good too. They were man. So, and they had some young talent on that team, yeah. you know, sophomore Derek Stingley's coming back and they've got Jamar Chase, the Blitnikoff winner coming back. They've got some high caliber elite talent that's coming back. And, and I've said it before, man, that LSU team in 2019 was the greatest college football team of all time. And Joe Burrow had the greatest season of all time out of any quarterback in the history of college God, football. Man, golly, that, that team was incredible. But, I, I mean, they set a great standard. And I don't think, you know, it's – I mean, I hate saying it, but when you got people, you know, sitting in the back kind of watching, they're like, well, I want to be at that caliber. And they're going to do it. So, mm-hmm. I think – I mean, being at number five, I think it's okay – I think they should be up a little bit, but well, with losing Joe Burrow, it's still uncertain. Losing, mm. you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they're going to have to replace some key pieces offensively. But I don't think they're going to take a huge dip. I do think that they may win nine or ten games, but they're not going to be at the level that they were last year. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, and they yeah. lost um, the linebacker. What was his name? Patrick. They're going to have to be in a little bit of a rebuilding phase here. And I think when Texas goes down to Baton Rouge, I do think LSU is going to fall because of the lack of experience on and some of those key pieces on, on the offensive side of the ball and defense. So I, I just think we'll have to see what happens. I, I mean, LSU is one of those teams. They're, they're doing great with recruiting, and they're only going to hit the ceiling one of these years coming up yet again. And number four, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't like that. You don't mm, like that? I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Oh, come on, man. You know, Georgia. God. Okay. You know, Coach Smart, I liked the man. I got to sit down and listen to him at one of the coaching, uh, one of the coaching uh, thing, coaching school is what we call it here in Texas, uh, down in San Antonio one year. And, man, the dude is cool. I mean, I give him that. He's like a normal dude, any other dude. But I just don't see how Georgia is always so ranked high and they don't do anything. They're kind of like kind of like OU in a way, you know, or Notre Dame. They're, they're one of those teams that get there. They can't finish the job. Um, they get to the SEC championship and they lose Alabama, you know, what, a couple years ago. And they get to the national championship the year before that. I thought they had that, that game in the bag. They ended up, yep. you know, Tua came in, saved the day, beat them. But Georgia's just one of those teams that can't get over the hump either. I thought they were legitimately going to win the national title in 2017 when they beat my Sooners in the Rose Bowl. But, you know, we'll see what they're going to do. They've got to get kind of on the right innovative track offensively. They're kind of still too old school to compete in my opinion, with some of these teams. I agree. Yeah, they're still – You know, we look at LSU. They brought in um, the the offensive coordinator from the Saints, and they did wonders. They went from an abysmal, old-school dinosaur offense, I-formation, and then they turned it around just in one year's time. Spreading it. They've got to spread it out. Moving people, switching mm -hmm. the slots. I mean, that's what you got to do. You just got to put people on their toes and try to match up. Exactly. And that's – Yep. Number three, who do we got? Makes my mouth cringe again, but we got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Go, Bama. You you can't fault it, though. You can't dispute it. They've been productive. They've been up there at the top for the past, what, 12 years? Forever. I mean, (laughs) for a long time, man. You know, then 
With Alabama, man, I mean, they, like I said, man, they get so much. They get so much talent. You know, they get great talent, and they're going to continue getting great talent because they're Bama. Nick Saban just—he's a hell of a recruiter, man. You know, and you got in order to beat Bama, they got to have a bad game, or you're playing a hell of a game. You're playing balls to the walls. Right. The best. The game amount of talent they have is elite, and they can compete with anyone in the country defensively, and that's why they're so great is because their defense is so so robust and, and talented across the board. doesn't matter if you're talking about defensive line, linebacker, secondary, they're all solid. And, you know, transitioning from Alabama, you go to Ohio State, who's similar. They've got they've got great defensive players. They had Chase Young, one of the best rushers in the game, edge Jesus, rushers. Man, that guy was good. He was a beast. And, you know, offensively, they're pretty innovative, kind of like LSU and Oklahoma. They've got a great – uh, innovative offense with Justin Fields. He's a he's a dual threat. I mean, he's maybe not the fastest guy in the world. And then they also acquired Oklahoma transfer Jer- Trey Sermon, who I saw play to OU for three years. He's a great running back. They needed a running back. They were exactly they did. They were short with the amount of depth they had at running back. And with getting Trey Sermon, man, they're they're a contender for sure. Yet again. And Michigan, yet again, is going to fall to them. Yeah. Let's be you honest. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, Ohio State's always just packed, you know. I mean, like I said, you know, being in the, you know, just in the top, you know, like I said, we just didn't agree with Georgia. Georgia should not be in the top four. Right. You know, but three, yes, Pamela's there, Ohio State there, yes. And then the number one, you know, you got to give it up to Clemson. You do with, you know – I'm tired of Clemson being there at the exactly. top. You know, I'm tired of seeing an ACC. I want to see an in-conference opponent knock them off. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for Trevor Lawrence to have a bad game. You know, they, they almost lost North Carolina last year. They're just one of those teams that they just can't go away no matter what. They they just they, – they play in a weak conference. They're going to win every Saturday. You know they are. Yep, exactly. They're going to be one of those teams right there at the end – and I, if you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have never believed you that Clemson would be a top team every year. No, that, exactly. I mean, that just – with Clemson, man, it's just one of those where you're like, really? Really, you, they're really, good? Really? really? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> really? Like, I it's, just, yeah, it's just one of those trendy freaking teams where these recruits want to go because they're winning in the moment. It's not so yeah. much – it's all a business, you know. But It's the business, yeah. We'll see what happens. I think any of these teams can win the national championship in the top 10. It just depends on what type of year they have. This is going to be a funky year for college football for sure with uh, less fans in the stands probably potentially, but it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we're big college football fans. We're going to bring you college football content each and every week during the season. We love covering games, love the big 12. So stay tuned for all of that. With that being said, we're going to bring in a special guest via phone Man, this this special guest today, guys. He, I've I've. It's been a great, great honor and blessing that I've been working side by side for this guy, going on on my seventh year. Okay, uh, he goes by Raider. We're gonna call him Raider. Former Tech West Texas A and M offensive lineman. Lineman. This guy, incredible. He really is. Like, if you saw him today, you'd be like, this guy was a football player. But, man, he's tremendously good. He's a great guy, and uh, we're going to get him on the – So, please stand by. We're going to get him on the phone, talk to him for a little bit. 
He's got some great insight, sports in general. What's going on? Hey there, Raider. What are you doing, man? Hey, just chilling in the basement. What are you doing? Oh, man, we're just sitting here talking, talking some podcasts. So we are live. You're on. I am on it, man. All right. What y'all talking about? All uh, right, now, man, we just got done talking about the top 25 preseason rankings in college football. We talked about the Cowboys. We talked about if there was a Mount Rushmore for them, you know, who would you put? You know, you what four former players would you put? Uh, you know, we know that you're a, or, you know, a Raider, you know, you like your Oakland, well, now the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'd like to hear who you would have as your Mount Rushmore. For the Raiders, who was your top four? Top four, top four players. Top four for the Raiders: um, Howie Long, Jim Otto, okay, Al Davis, and probably the last one is going to be Bo Jackson. Oh, great picks! Great picks. Are great. there any honorable mention that you might slide in there, or kind of was up in the air about who should be on? Uh, honorable mention, there's too many to name. Um, you got John Matuzak, uh, Lyle Alzado, uh, Matt Millen, Jim Plunkett, uh, Fred Blittenkoff, Cliff Branch, and then the list goes on and on. You could go on and on for a while, huh? Hey, right. not, not big enough. And you're, you know, you're a former player. Can you give us a little bit of background of kind of your, your playing days, what you accomplish on the field? And kind of where are you from? Uh, I played in the late 90s, early 2000s, and so we were taught a little bit different how the kids today play. Um, I played my ball in Hereford, Texas, and walked on at West Texas A&M, played lineman for five years, and uh, just really enjoyed playing the game of football. That's awesome, man. You know, uh, any good stories you got? I mean, from your playing days and I mean, like you said, you know, you played uh, there at West Texas A&M. Uh, what, what are some of your, you know, best moments you had back in the day? Again, to me to mention, um, but one that comes to mind is we were down 30 to 10 with four minutes to go against Abilene Christian, and we came back and beat them 31 to 30. Um, that ranks as a, a top playing moment, um, traveling all over the country. Played a great game of football. Um, playing in Eastern New Mexico, that was always a big rivalry game. Playing for the wagon wheel. Oh yeah, that's and a just being, being able to play. Yes. Uh, so whenever you were done with your college career, did uh, did you get any any NFL calls or anything? I had a tryout. Um, Green Bay Packers called. They wanted me to be on their practice team, and then after they found out, I had a lot of concussions, and that just kind of felt it. So most of the, your injuries were the the stopping point for your career, pretty much, correct? Yeah, I was told by them that I wouldn't be able to play, that I was a risk. Yeah, see, that's that's you know that's a you know that's one of the biggest things you know, especially you know NFL college. You know, we see you know these players that get these big you know big injuries. You know, the career stops pretty pretty quick, you know. Um, you know, with that being said, man, you know, can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your coaching career, things like that? What do we, I mean, I know you've been a coach for a long time, man. You know, you've had a lot of ups and downs. But, 
you know, tell us, you know, some things about coaching that you really, really enjoy. I kind of got into coaching by accident. Um, I thought I was going to be a professional football player slash professional wrestler slash professional eater. Um, it turned out I got into the teaching back in 2005 uh, in the middle school here in Amarillo. And there's just a lot of, you know, teaching the game, teaching the fundamentals, uh, teaching the basics. It's not about the championships. Um, but if you do everything you're supposed to do, the championships will come with it. You know, you've been, you know, in the coaching game for a long time and you've had huge, huge impacts, you know, with a lot of these, you know, not student and athlete lives. You know, you've done a great, great job. Um, you know, I mean, you know, for our listeners, you know, you know, what's the biggest, one of your biggest, you know, things that you tell, you know, you tell students and athletes every day, you know, what's one of the biggest things, you know, one of your motives? Uh, probably one of the biggest things, um, you know, I, I kind of say pretty the same throughout the years. I mean, things have been pretty consistent. So there's a lot of um, phrases that, that's been used, and I'm sure you heard me say them a lot. Um, but just telling the kids, you know, go hard or go home. Um, what you put into something is what you get out of something. Um, I've been doing wrestling for 15 years at the middle school. And nothing's really changed, you know, just the, the new kids and and new, um, but as far as the technique and the coaching style goes, it, that's all I've been saying. Can you mention some of the success you've had in wrestling? Um, we started right out the gate, uh, 2005. I had 11 girls and 11 boys on the team, and uh, the 11 girls, nine of them, uh, got medals, and it was the first time in school history that they won the championship. And that one was pretty special because it was the first one. Absolutely. And we had a lot of championships after that. Absolutely. How did you do this last year? Uh, this this last year, we did real good. Um, our boys um, defended. We don't really defend anything. We just go out and get another title, you know, because you got new kids. And that's awesome. Kids go to high school. And think, you don't defend it. You just go get another one. I think, and that's something that you, you know, that's a very good. I like that how you say that, coach. You know how, you know, don't worry about what happened last year. Just go get it, you know. And I think that you take that pressure off, you know, off the athletes, especially, and also for you too. You're not worried about what happened last year. You worry about the moment. So, when you start worrying about championships, your coaching philosophy changes. Agree. I totally agree on that. That's right. And we're in the business of kids. You know, we're trying to get kids to play and then to continue to play when they get older. Yeah, exactly. That's why I know you, you. That's why you're still around doing what you're doing. You're trying to help these kids get to uh, you know a higher level of playing, but also at the same time, I know that you're making them a a lot better person too. You know, especially you know what you've you know your success and you're you know you're just carrying it on to them too. And then off the field too. You know, it's not just being an athlete, uh, but what kind of person are you? You know, how do you want to be remembered? How are you remembered? And then why are you remembered that way? Exactly, Coach. You've had some great insight and some great advice. I want to bring you back on. Hopefully, you know, in the, in the coming days, maybe we can do an, a one-on-one interview. But I know you, you you're a little bit short on time, so we're going to let you go. Um, we'll be in contact with you, get you back on, and we'll have an extensive, exclusive interview with you. 
Absolutely. If you're down for that. That's okay. Appreciate you guys having me. Hey, thank you for coming on, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time. Hey, enjoy the show, guys. Keep, keep it up. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. We'll let you go. See ya. Well, everybody, we've gotten to the end of the road on our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you guys have any input, have any questions, hit our email up at bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, we got our Facebook page. We got an Instagram page, uh, Snapchat. We got, you know, we got a lot of social media out there, Twitter. Okay. I know some of us were not on that Twitter chain, but hey, I've been on it a lot. You know, uh, Twitter is really, really cool. You know, it'd be great to hear some things. You know, we'll post some things. But most importantly, like, you know, like uh, James said, you know, hit us up. Let us know what's going on. If you want to, you know, want us to talk about anything or hey, if you want to be a special guest, we'd love, we'd love to, to call you in or heck, we'd love to have you here. So, you right. know, we've only up. had a limited amount of uh, individuals who have really joined us in studio because of the pandemic that's going on. But we can always reach out via telephone, via Skype or Zoom. We have those capabilities. So if you guys ever want to get on, just let us know. And we're more than happy to have you guys on. Absolutely. So like I said, you know, James gave you the email. Hit us up. Say, hey, what's up? So, but I'm Aaron Pena. And I'm James Fairchild. Thank you guys so much for listening to Bomb City Locker Room Talk podcast and tuning in to Locker Room Hype. We'll see you next time. Woo woo.